I'm the Reverend Dr. Jenny McKay, veterinarian, curate and minister in secular employment, environmentalist, activist and self-confessed cat junkie. But believe it or not, I have never been thrown out of the scouts or been caught fist fighting in Sunday school. But someone who has is my guest, Matt Woodcock. So, Matt, can you tell me what happened on those two occasions? <laughs> what a build-up, Jenny! <laughs> no, well, um, yeah, I, I brought shame on my mother. I, I was, I was, unfortunately, I was one of those kids. I, had a bit, I was a bit of a bit of a terrier when I was a bit younger, and um, I was one of those kids that you didn't want your kid to play with, unfortunately. So, <laughs> I brought shame on my family, and yeah, my mum. Um, dragged me to ch our local church in the hope that it would reform my ways and um, I was always getting into trouble and um, one Sunday afternoon, uh, one, su one Sunday morning actually, I was having a, a, a crane fight with uh, someone and um, it was the final straw and unfortunately Miss Vincent um, had to have a word with my mum and I was expelled from the Sunday school oh. and she said, how can you expel someone from the Sunday school? He went, we can't, we can't handle him Mrs Woodcock. <laughs> And look where you are now. Look so, where I am now. The <laughs> Lord works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. The naughtiest people maybe have to uh, get into, into the priesthood. Absolutely. <laughs> so, of course, you, you are a priest, Matt. You call yourself a pioneer priest. Yeah. Um, but your journey into priesthood, it wasn't the most typical one. So can you tell me how you went from being a successful journalist to becoming an ordained Church of England pioneer minister? Yeah, sure, Jenny. Well, um, yeah, I mean, if, if I'd have asked my sort of early 20-year-old self that I would become a, a priest, I mean, it would have just fits of laughter. And, and, it, and it, so, so, so my journey began, I, I used to go to these, um, my mum used to send me on these sort of Christian youth camps. And actually... Um, they were kind of quite transformative for me, really. I, I met the leaders there, liked, liked, liked football. They were normal. No one wore sandals. And it was just like, I, I, they were sort of northern working class lads who'd found a faith and were willing to lead the likes of us. And, and, and I, I think back then, I really realised that you didn't have to have three heads to be, to be a Christian. So, but, but it was a long-term journey. Anyway... Fast forward, I, I became this journalist and I just loved it. Didn't want to do anything else. But at my local church, I, I used to be the, I used to go along on a Sunday morning and sort of sit at the back and moan about how terrible everything was and how bored and how bored I was. And and they had this youth worker there and 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 give her a credit, she took me for a coffee one one Monday morning after I was particularly vocal about how bad the service was, and she said. Um, she said, Matt, we're sick of you moaning about how bad things are. Either do something about it or, or will you leave? <laughs> and she was like that blunt. And, and so that, that sort of set off a journey. She said, and she said, I've, I've had this idea for us, an alternative service. And, and it was a bit like um, I used to just get a battered sofa and interview people like, like you're interviewing me now on a sofa. Anyway, the long story short, it sort of took off with kind of younger people my age. And, uh, and it just... I think it set in motion a future for me. Um, I was a journalist, loved it. And one day I sort of driving along the A90, along the A19 to Selby, 
That was where my road to Damascus happened on the A90 Selby. And um, and I had this really strange experience of just driving, listening to our music on the way to cover a court case and just feeling really overwhelmed in a kind of divine sense. Nothing like that's ever happened before or since. Um, I didn't hear any voices, didn't see anything, but I just knew that perhaps God had something he wanted to tell me. And and so I pulled into this lay-by and sort of said some desperate prayers and nothing happened and Mm -hmm. calmed myself down and drove on, finished the day, and then I I legged it straight to my vicar's house that night. And and before I said anything, I walked into his study and he turned around and he said, he said, do you think um, God's calling you to work for the church? And it was like literally the ultimate eureka moment yeah and i've never been so convinced in anything in my wow. life we just got a mortgage i was on quite good money yeah and I, and I went home to tell my wife and and she nearly hit the floor i said i think god's <laughs> calling me to work for the church and within a month yes i, I left and i'm suddenly <gasps> working for my local church as like their community worker for okay. but absolutely next to nothing and um and there i was and i, I but i was i keep literally thought I'd lost my mind like my everyone was worried about me and and, yeah, and yeah. stuff but I was just so convinced that that's what the path I needed to go for then 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 I did it and, and here I am goodness me so was <laughs> it a long time after that that you went for your interviews or or did it all happen quite no quite quickly? what happened was so I um I remember on the first day of working for the church, I, saw, I suddenly thought, well, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, it was literally yeah, that sudden. Yeah. And, and then I got a phone call from somebody who was a painter and decorator who okay. was really struggling in his life, and he'd heard about that I'd made this step. And he said, oh, can I talk to you about my life? Because it's, it's in free fall. I've, I went into my local church, and it was empty, and I felt there might be something there. Can you help me? Anyway, he wouldn't meet me in the church because he was so scared of churches. So I met him in the local park. And anyway, to cut a long story short, we, we had this amazing discussion and he became a Christian and started coming along to church and lots of things happened. And I suddenly realised, ah, that's that's what I'm supposed to do. Then I got a phone call from Archbishop Sentinel's office saying the Archbishop wants to see you. And I used to do stories about the Archbishop for the local paper. And he'd heard about me um, taking this crazy step. So he phoned me and he said, why don't you come and work for me a couple of days a week while you do while you sort of work out what you're doing? I think he had a probably a secret a secret plan, <laughs> and that's and and so working with him, seeing him do it, I think he turned on to me one day and he just said, "Well, you've come this far. What about this thing called Pioneer Ministry? I think I think you could do it." And I said, "Right, well, I'm I'm willing to push it door, Archbishop, but it, but I'm always going to be myself, and if that's who God wants, then I'll do it. But if I have to turn into somebody, I'm not." I'm not going to do it. And he said, no, go for it. So I, kept, I, I was kept hoping these doors were going to shut. And everything yeah, yeah, yeah. Fly, it just kept flying open, <laughs> yeah. everything. And then I found, and so I suddenly found myself two years later in uh, in Cranmer studying to be, you yeah. know, doing my theological training. And that's how it happened. Gosh, that is amazing. That's a really kind of vivid. <laughs> it, wasn't, yeah. it, was, it wasn't gradual, was it? It just it hit you at that yeah. point. And maybe I was such a bad listener that God had to do it like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, I mean, a lot of it resonates with me. Not not, not such a dramatic um, mm. experience, but yeah. But I mean, obviously, I I am a vet. And um, yeah, yeah th- this calling to 
ministry as well in, in slightly strange circumstances, both um, in terms of my ministry and doing it virtually. It, it's very, very different. And I think we need more people. We need more people who are doing things in, in a different way, definitely. And I think you feel that, don't you, that interacting with people in a more informal way can work much better. Oh well, well, it, it, it's not. I, I suppose it's just we're all called differently, aren't we? That I, I would never knock any. You know, loads of priests. I've worked with them. I've helped them, and they've helped me. And you know, the way that God calls people differently, right? And and if your ministry is is church based, quite traditional, as long as for me, as long as you're engaging with where people are at in that context, then 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 why not? But I feel definitely called to the edges because if, if 1% of people are going to church on a Sunday morning, then that leaves 99% of people who aren't. So some of us are called to ministries that are out, a lot of it is outside the church walls. Now, I love Sunday mornings, by the way. I, I, I'm there preaching and leading and mm. anything that I get asked to do, I love it. Yeah. But I also see that only a tiny majority of our parish, a minority, sorry, are, are going to come in. So I need to find ways that engage on their turf, not not expecting them to come and be on my terms or where I think they should be, but starting where they're at. And I always admire people in secular work. And I often think maybe God will call me back to maybe um, a ministry doing in, in the secular world mm -hmm. and maybe being self-supporting or something. I don't know, but mm -hmm. I try and spend loads of my time out where the people are, um, in cafes and pubs and sports or whatever, whatever it is that I can think yeah. of, yeah. that engage yeah. me with where they're at. Because yeah. I've, one, one thing I do know, and you probably find this, is that people have an incredible um, interest in the spiritual realm and in faith yeah. matters. And they're desperate to talk about it. But they don't want to talk about it in church and they don't oh. want to come on a Sunday morning. So if that's the case, then some of us have to find ways to engage where they're at. And that's what I try and do. Yes, you're right. I mean, it is, it's a deeply spiritual nation, isn't it? But how, yeah, how they reach that spirituality and understand it. It's, um, yeah, people. But even to win the right for a conversation about it takes yes. a relationship to form. You know, loads yeah. of, I mean, I, I work a lot with men, particularly northern working class men, mm -hmm. and they are closed books, a lot of them. But what starts with football often at the end of a night finishes with, I don't know where I'm going in life. It's amazing. That's right. That's right. And just doing a very neat segue now on the on the football topic. I know that you and your dad are very, very fond of York City Football Club, aren't you? Well, I <laughs> <laughs> And they've been doing very, very well, haven't they? Well, let's let's put well, it in perspective. <laughs> National League North, right? So they're nearly in the football league again, Jenny. Let's <laughs> let's have it right, you know. Let's let's not get too excited. <laughs> it's a good, it's a positive way forward, anyway. And I also know that um, about three weeks after they won that promotion, you watched yes. Liam Gallagher at Nebworth. Um, and you're a big fan of both. So, yes, which experience did you enjoy more? Well, I think I think in in this case, being with eighty thousand uh, Oasis fans in a in a field in Nebworth 
will take some beating for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, and, and we're all wearing the gear, the bucket hats and the sh- and it was just, yeah, it felt like my kind of church journey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> a super church. Absolutely, yeah. And what do you make of Pete Doherty's opinion that Noel Gallagher was a poet and Liam a town crier? Yeah, it was a great quote that one. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I think he's I think he's onto something. I think you know I, I know Oasis have got a real reputation of being bad boys, and then, you know that's part of their shtick, I suppose. When but I I always look for the spiritual um, things in everything, yeah. including Oasis music. And when you look, Noel Gallagher is always talking about. God, for someone who, who's so sniffy about not believing, he talks about God an awful lot. About does he yeah. exist? Where's my place in life? And a lot of, a lot of Oasis story is about they lived this humdrum life in this council estate in Manchester. It was all about trying to escape and ironically find an oasis in life. And um, yeah. and, and so you know, there's there's real resonances there. And, and Noel Gallagher, uh, Liam, sorry, Liam Gallagher's. He, loads of people listen to him and, and loads of people resonate with what he says because he's like them. You know, yeah. he's, he's, he's not really changed since he was come out of Burnage. So I think Pete, Pete Dockers is onto something there. <laughs> yes, and it's another way and it's another conversation that you can have with with people as well to, to get into those yeah. conversations, I, isn't it? I sometimes do a, an evening with Oasis. So I call it, um, yeah, just a... Um, something like Oasis question mark and I, and, I, and I use their music so we play some music and then I talk about finding your Oasis and um, it's amazing how many conversations it generates when yeah it, because it yeah. because people see the spiritual depth in what they're singing in front of a mirror like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or is that just me? <laughs> I'm sure it's not just you Matt. <laughs> And you've also, of course, um, been on Pause for Thoughts. Yeah, what, what a great programme with Zoe Ball on BBC Radio 2 on The Breakfast Show. So how, yeah. how did that all start? How did you first meet Zoe? Well, it, well that was amazing, really, because, um, you know, we were talking about going from sort of um, journalism to, to the priesthood. Well, I think God knows what he's doing sometimes because he uses the skills that, so in my case, the skills that I had as a journalist to to, to sort of preach the gospel, I suppose, or, or, you know, tap into people's spiritual side. When I was in Hull, so I worked in Hull for seven years, and it was City of Culture in 2017. That's right. yeah. And they were trying to find somebody, some spiritual figure to do a, pause, a one-off pause, I thought, with Dermot O'Leary on his Saturday show about City of Culture. Anyway, someone must, someone must have heard of me and they put my name forward. And I just did a one-off frock with him down the down the phone line, and they liked it. And so I started doing Dermot's show in London. Now, luckily, my friend lives in London and he's single. He's not anymore, so it's a bit annoying. But <laughs> he, he's got a flat in London, and so I went to stay with him and then do the show the next morning. And then it went from Dermot O'Leary on Saturdays to then Chris Evans and his show, and then on to Zoe when he left. And, um, and I've got to say, Jenny, that Zoe Ball is one of the nicest, you know, what you hear on the radio is true in real life. She's just an amazingly kind, funny, generous person. And yes, it is terrifying. You know, I mean, that was way out of my comfort zone, speaking right. to all those people live. I mean, yes. I know it's scripted, but it's... It, yeah. the, the, yeah. the, 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 but, that, but that was, again, feeling, pushing the boundaries and, and, and yeah. using the skills. So it's yeah. been a gift, really. 
absolutely. And I mean, you've had so many different conversations on that show, but have you got a particular favourite moment? I think um, off off air, I've had some really interesting conversations with with Zoe, sort of privately, and I won't delve what we said, but it just so it feels like a real privilege to just hear someone at the top of their game in her world, in the media world, to hear mm-hmm. just to hear what what they think about spiritual things, but. What one of the highlights for me was when my, it was my mum's birthday, and her and the team did this lovely message for my mum that I was able oh. to share with her for for her birthday, and that that meant a lot to me. So yeah, it made my mum's year. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. I bet that was one of your mum's favourite moments. <laughs> yeah, I think my, my big my biggest frustration is I went and did it on the Thursday, and you're in the green room with the guests who are then going to go and speak to her. And on the Wednesday, Noel Gallagher was in there, so I missed him that one day. <laughs> what a shame. Yeah, <laughs> that could have been thought. such an interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so, something else I wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, sometimes we get really, really difficult questions from, from people and they seem very, very obvious questions, but they're the ones that you often stumble over. So, for example, what would you say the next time a 10-year-old asks you why they exist or whether God would forgive Hitler? Oh, God. <laughs> You're a bad woman. <laughs> what would I do? Well, I think um, I, I would say that there exists you know that their existence has has a purpose and a plan and a, a, a divine a divine hole that they need to fill or something like that or something that they were born you know their existence was to to know god and be loved by him now i wouldn't quite say it as brutally as that but something along those lines that existence has purpose in my view and it has meaning deeper than what we can see so um would god forgive hitler well, if you believe that God forgives, then you believe that God forgives. Would Hitler allow himself to be forgiven? Probably doubtful. Yeah. Would be my diplomatic answer to that, Jenny. No yes. more hard questions, please. <laughs> These are the things. I mean, I'm sure you find this. People will, they'll put you on the spot. And it also, it helps you think about your faith as well, doesn't it? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and 10-year-olds ask the hardest questions of all because everything's so, you know, they're developing and maturing and, and they see the world through that, that sort of lens. And it's, um, yeah, I, I think doing assemblies and doing uh, things with yes. in, in primary schools and schools is, is often the most joyous, mm. but the, the most challenging as well. So, yeah. Yeah, we could, all, we could all do with being a bit more searching and open-minded, couldn't we? Yeah. Like, like, like kids. So something else I wanted to ask you a bit about was your work with the Upper Room. Yes. Well, the Upper Room, so so my role at the moment is, is there was a pot of, um, there's a project going on the Diocese of York to engage with under 50s, okay? So people in their 20s to 40s. Um, I, I, I'm sure you've seen the figures of, you know, just how few, you know, of that age group you know, engage with church church life. It's just, it's just negligible. It's hardly anybody. So they've um, so they've all, so a group of myself and, and about twelve others across the diocese in different areas. Our job is to grow or try to grow new communities 
for people in their 20s to 40s. Only the Church of England could come up with that, by the way. <laughs> yes. As if I'm going to turn, turn down a 50-year-old. You know. but, but anyway, the, 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 the thinking's probably a good one. We just need to get a little bit younger. How do we engage with that? I get that. And um, so, so I teamed up with a guy who runs a, a mixed martial arts gym in York, and and when I even before I started the role, I was just preparing to start it, and and I got pally with him, and he said, as people are hitting his heavy bags and training, they keep asking me these deep questions about mm-hmm. existence and life and faith, and and he said, don't you think we should set something up like a talking forum, a discussion, oh, right, so people right. can people can have the have that discussion. Anyway. My friend in the parish runs the local pub and he's got this upper room of the pub. So the upper room sounds really spiritual, but it, it's basically because it started in the upper room of, of the local pub. So on a Monday night, I would, I would you know, publicise that we're doing this thing called the upper room. You can come with any question, no questions off limits. We're just going to talk about things deeper than York City, right? And 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 that's that's where it started, and it, and it just and then we basically explored faith together, and it sort of grew a bit and developed a bit, and now it's a community in its own right. So it's not massive. Um, we meet on a Monday night, and we meet on a Wednesday night. We do um, so. Last night we did community volleyball, and then went to the pub. Oh, Monday nice. night we did um, we did an evening of of eat. We all ate cheese, and I did a I did a discussion about the spirituality of cheese. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> you, you you come one time Jenny I'll do it for you and, uh, <laughs> I'd love to <laughs> it's all about questions what questions people have about faith and, and an opportunity to pray for each other and grow in faith and explore faith so we have people who are really strong Christians people who are not quite sure and people who aren't quite there yet um, but it seems to resonate with people just a really loving Mm-hmm. friendly place where you can just come and be part of something that's a little bit deeper and just goes a bit further with that kind of stuff. Now, yeah. some, some go on a Sunday as well and, okay. and engage, engage with Sunday worship as well. And obviously I'm involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, some don't. So I think the hope of the prayer is at the minute we're meeting in, in pubs and people's front rooms, um, whether that will change and we'll have a, a building of our own or we don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's um, been doing it a few years, you know, about two years now, and we've grown to about I don't know 40, 50 people who just love meeting together. And um, yeah. Yeah. you'll have to come, you'll have to come and and do a talk for us and and, and do some discussion starters, Jenny. <laughs> well, I will, Matt. Although although I'm based in the northwest, the the lab I work for um, is actually over in Weatherby. Well, so, perfect. So <laughs> this is eminently possible <laughs> <laughs> i like your answer there you didn't say definitely yes but you didn't say definitely no. i like your tactics <laughs> oh no i would love to i would love to That'd yeah be, i think you'd love it. i think you'd enjoy it because who wouldn't enjoy it you know you just you're talking exactly. about stuff that really matters um yeah. you know we, we looked at the, the political situation last week and we thought well what what does it mean to live lives of integrity and truth? You know, so it's taking relevant things yes. and and making them into a sort of spiritual thing. And, and I think that that's been a really helpful thing for us to do. No, that that's tremendous. And I, I think a lot of times as a priest, I've been told, don't be political. Mm. Um, but... <laughs> You do have to be. You have to comment on these things, don't you? Do, yeah. 
Yeah. Definitely, and, it, and I think it's um, yeah. We, we, if you can't comment about some, you know, you, no no area is off is off limits to God. If if we believe that, then we've got to engage in everything. Yeah. So, yeah, big believe. Absolutely, good, good. You're very direct, and you say it as it is. So <laughs> I <laughs> I understand that, and I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, excellent. So of course you've had your your two books. So started off with being reverent becoming was the first one ah becoming reverent becoming reverent and the latest one yeah i should have known that i have read it matt i have being <laughs> reverent you're the one <laughs> <laughs> and i empathize very much with the you had a christmas day i think it was christmas day but you had this nativity scene outside the church in yeah. hull and it appealed to me, of course, because you had all the animals and oh, you had the course, people yeah. there. And it must have been an amazing experience for people. Yeah, well, it, yeah it nearly killed me. I mean, I, I literally <laughs> said it as a joke. We, we, had, we had a staff meeting <laughs> and I was sick of doing doing the carol service in the Christmas and hardly any, hardly, well, numbers weren't great back then. And it was mm. it just frustrated me that people were missing out on this on the story of Christmas. So I just said, well, jokingly, I said, well, what if we got some camels? That'd bring them in. And they all laughed. <laughs> and then it just sort of snowballed from there. And, and somebody found me this um, sustainable farm that lo really looks after the animals. Because we were conscious that, you know. It yeah, yeah, be. yeah. And, um, and we found these, this, this, this film hire company that hired out camels and donkeys <laughs> and sheep. And so we bust them in and we had this and we, the council paid for it all. Can you believe that? It was amazing. Gosh. And, and, and we walked all the animals. We dressed the landlords up as the innkeepers. We had the boxing club as the shepherds. We had the it was chaos. Okay. And we walked these animals through the city centre and, and, and did this. We told the story of the nativity outside. And people were coming out of boots. Can you imagine it? Coming out of boots at the Christmas shop, and there's a camel in the city central hall walking past them. And they're like, ah. But it was, it was amazing. And and you know what? From that moment on, people began to come in and and and, and engage with the church at Christmas, which was really heartening. And, and it became really powerful when just ordinary non-church landlords were coming out of the top window saying, no room at the end. And people were in really engaging with his story. So, yeah, it was good. It, oh. it was really good. It, it nearly killed me, though. Yeah. I, don't know how you work, I don't know how you work with animals. You must be mad. <laughs> I've got, yeah, it's there's a special knack, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it, Jenny, clearly. <laughs> have you ever done an animal blessing service? I haven't, actually, no. Ah, that is one of my favourite services when you bring them in. Um, it's wow. a Sunday closest to St Francis of CC, and, and you give them a oh, blessing. Yeah. And that, yeah, that you'll have, you'll have to send me the notes. That, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds interesting. <laughs> yes, church full of barking dogs, wheeling <laughs> cats. Yeah, that'll be sounds that'll brilliant. be the next thing for you. <laughs> yeah. So these, um, you know, it's all about diarizing your your life. Is this something that you kind of planned or were you just writing diaries at the time and then you thought this is going to be very interesting? Let's get no, what, this out there. What happened was when, when I had my road to Damascus experience, what my spiritual director was this wonderful nun who um, was just a, a life lifesaver and life changer for me. Just I'd mm. go and see her once a month. And she, she when that happened, she said, Matt, you, 
in a few years time you'll you'll doubt that that happened to you so you need to write it down and so she she encouraged me to start a diary that was in 2009 so every day since then I write 500 words a day you'll be in it today and um <laughs> and I write 500 words a day just be, almost like a self-reflection okay like, like a spiritual discipline thing like you know because you can share anything to a diary and they don't talk back to you. You know, all the, all the hopes and fears and the, what I loved about the day, what I struggled with, okay. um, all that stuff goes on my diary every day. And then when I finished um, college, theological college, I looked back at some of the diaries, I thought, there must be more people like me out there but who, dare, who never dare go for it because they think mm. that they don't fit into this Church of England box. Yeah. And I realised that because I had these diaries, the story was there and people look, I mean, I loved Adrian Mole and my wife loves Bridget Jones. So that was the kind of style. And I just thought, well, I'm going to have a go at writing this. And I did just, I, I wrote the book for me. Yes. And then, and then by some miracle, it just sort of ended up on the right desk and oh. somebody tried to publish it. And that, and that was the, that was the story really. Brilliant. Yeah. Very inspirational. It was. Thank you. It, yes. As you know, you know, I'm a bit on the edge with my ministry, so it's very, very encouraging to read about what you're doing. How not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say that then. <laughs> so what's the next big project for you, Matt? Well, my, my, my third book's called Divorcing Reverend. And it's <laughs> no, the next big project is, well, well, I'm really excited about it. So, we're, you know, developing up a room and trying to support other churches and stuff. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm 12 years in ministry by, by next year. So I'm actually wow. going I'm, so on study leave. Okay. And I'm, so I'm, I'm, do, I'm going on a pilgrimage. I've never done anything like that before. And my friend who is not a Christian, but is interested, he wants to come on, on it with me. So we're going to do this sort of walk together. Have you heard this Camino thing? I've heard, yes, I've heard. yes. So we're we're going to do that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish my third book. So I've, I'm, I've been doing a... Okay. hopefully write, writing a third book in, in that time so that's okay. what's next and but over summer the camp where I sort of found faith I'm going back as a leader of the leaders so the tent leaders so I'm going back to the same field where I found faith to support the leaders who are going and I, I, I think I'm too old but I'll, I'll see <laughs> so, but I've managed to fill a bus from York of teenagers who are going to come so Oh, it's not. Yeah, it's, so it's like going full, full circle, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. My, my own kids are coming, Jenny. So wow. <laughs> <laughs> they will keep an eye on you, I'm sure. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh well, Matt, it's been really, really interesting and lovely to catch up with you. Really enjoyed chatting with you, and as as we said at the beginning, from somebody who's been kind of at fisticuffs in Sunday school, my word look what you have achieved it's absolutely incredible oh, so you, and god blessing you and all, all what you're doing it's amazing and um thank you and i'm gonna hold you to come in and doing a session with us at the upper room so absolutely i'd be delighted <laughs> thank you jenny okay. thank you thanks see you guys bye <laughs>